All right, guys, if you've got your Bibles, and if you don't, go ahead and grab one, and let's get to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to begin looking at verse number 7. Um, in our reading this week, we, as we looked at this chapter, chapter 4 in our reading, we, we learned something. We learned why we sing, why we preach, why we sing, why we preach. The reason is the God of this world has those who are away from Him, away from God, blinded. The God of this world, which would be Satan, has those who are away from God, has them blinded. They cannot see unless the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Remember, faith comes by hearing the gospel. The gospel is the beauty of Christ. Remember, it's, it's the, it is the virgin birth. It's the beauty that uh, a virgin gave birth to the Son of God, Emmanuel, with us. It's the beauty of a life that lived that completely fulfilled the will of the Father. It's the beauty of one so perfect dying for us who are so imperfect. It's the beauty of a grave that could not hold him. It's the beauty that he's seated at the right hand of the Father in a grave that's empty, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. It's the beauty that he's coming back so that we'll be with him again. This is the gospel. Uh, verse 5 tells us, think about verse 5. It says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves as bondservants. So what do we do when we gather, whether we're online, whether we're in person, uh, this is what we do. We do not, we sing about the glory of Jesus. We preach about the glory of Jesus. We share about the glory of Jesus and not ourselves. So why? When we preach and we sing and we share about the beauty of the gospel it is that truth that lights up the knowledge for those who are blinded by the god of this world so today in verses 7 through 12 and i just want to take a minute and just read those he said but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of god and not of us we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Today in these verses, what I want us to do is I want us to look at how what Paul does is in verses 4 and 6, he's talking about the beauty of Christ. And he's talking about the beauty of Christ. Then in verse 7, what he does is he says, This beauty of Christ is the treasure. It's a treasure that is greater, is the greatest of anything in heaven and on earth. So what I want us to do today is I want us to look at this thing thinking about this treasure that is in clay pots. You see, first of all, we'll look at the treasure itself and Jesus is the treasure. See, God has shined into our hearts. He has shined into the darkness. He has shined into unbelief. He has shined where there is no faith. He has shined into death and brought about life. It is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that He does this, and He does it with the gospel that is the beauty of Christ. 
But then I want us to look also not at the not at just the light of the knowledge, but also the glory of God. You see, glory is it mean it's weight, but it's not weight in a negative way, like I keep putting on more weight. It's not that kind of weight. It's a weight that's a commanding weight, a a weight that satisfies us completely. It causes the darkness to dispel. It causes the unbelieving to believe. It causes those without faith to have faith and those who were once dead to be alive. You remember, it, it is the face of Jesus. It is the beauty of Christ. It is the beauty of the gospel that accomplished this. Remember John 1 14. Remember what the Bible said? The Bible said that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld what? His glory. The glory of what? The glory of the, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Man, it's that it's that truth, it's that treasure. It's the glory of God. It's the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, the beauty of the gospel that changes everything. This treasure far exceeds all other treasures on heaven and in earth. And Jesus, I want you to think about this, is the most costly treasure. There's not a treasure more valued. There's not a treasure more prized than what Jesus is. Now, I want us to think about verse 7 further. As it says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In what? In clay pots is literally the idea. And I want you to think about the clay pot. The clay pot is the opposite of the treasure that is in it. There's many clay pots. And the fact is, is the clay pots are cheap and they're weak and they're breakable and they're replaceable. Sometimes this clay pot sometimes was used to hold treasure, sometimes jewelry, sometimes document, but not very often. If you had a million dollars in cash, would you put it in a clay pot? Would you put it in something that could somebody could reach their hand in that couldn't be locked? Would you put it in something that could so easily be broken? Well, we wouldn't, would we? We we pay lots of money to put it at the bank or we we buy big safes and uh, to put them in but the reality is is that in jesus day and in paul's day they didn't keep a lot of treasures in these pots either the most of the time these pots were used to hold garbage and other things that we won't talk about this morning but i want you to think about this. So God has said, and Paul is teaching us, that the most tr- prized treasure in all of heaven and on earth, God is allowing it to be in clay pots like you and I. We're broken. We're, we're, we're breakable. We're weak. We're replaceable. But why is that? It's because of the gospel of grace. It's because of the beauty of Christ. It's because of the beauty of the gospel that we who are these pots have this treasure in us. But why? What really is God's... Why would God store His most costly treasure treasure in clay pots like us? Why would He do that? Look at the end of verse 7. 
He said that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. You see, see what, what, what is he saying to us? He says, I wanna, I'm going to do a work in and through you, but it's not going to be because of you. And it's not going to be your strength. And it's not going to be your wisdom. And it's not going to be how smart you are. And it's not going to be how talented you are. It's going to be, I'm going to do a work through you, but it's going to be because of the treasure that dwells in you. Remember verse 5? Remember I shared that? That we what? That we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus as Lord. And ourselves as what? As slaves. As slaves to Christ, as slaves to Him. We do not preach ourselves. Why? Because ourselves are pots that are broken and replaceable and cheap. And they don't, they're not much, but the treasure that the pot holds, He's everything. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. You remember what Paul taught us there? He said that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The truth is, if God has chosen anything in this world uh, uh, to confound anybody, it was foolish, right? There's not anything in this world that's not foolish. Um, there's not any wisdom here, only broken pots. But I want us to think about this like God uses this treasure in us so that he may be glorified, that it may be only him who accomplishes anything. But what does it look like to have this treasure in us? Look at verse 8. It says that we are hard-pressed on every side. Think about a clay pot. We are hard, we are pressed in. On every side, but look at what he said. Yet not crushed. Not crushed. We are hard-pressed, not crushed. You know what it means? It means we're not driven to surrender. Listen, times are pressing in on us, and it's difficult, and it's hard. But we're not crushed. What does it mean? It means we're not going to quit. Times are going to be difficult. Times are going to be ugly. Times are going to be hard. But we're not giving up. We're not quitting. Look at what he said now. We are perplexed. But we're not in despair. You know what it means? It means that we're never at a loss. Listen, right now, we don't know how we're coming back together. And, and the one thing for sure, what I don't want to do, is bring people back together and get a bunch of people sick. We don't know, but we're not, listen, we're not in despair. We're never at a loss. I want you to think about the next one. We're not, we, we are not in, uh, we're not perplexed, not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. I want you to think about persecution. I want to think about this. We are persecuted, not forsaken. What does it mean? We're not left to the enemy's mercy. God never, is there, ne is there, there's never a time when God's not in control. There's never a time when God has not got this thing in his hands. There's never a time when he's overwhelmed or thinking, what in the world is going on? We're persecuted but not forsaken. We're not ever left to the enemy's mercy. God is always in control. You might would ask me, you might would say, what about Job? 
Job was attacked. Job was done. Satan just done horrible things to him. But do you realize that there was never a time that God was not in control of that situation? He was managing even Satan's moves. He was telling him you could go this far, but not that far. We are struck down. Struck down, not destroyed. What's it mean? It means we're getting up. We're getting up. We, we've, been, we've been knocked down, but man, we're getting up. Now think about this with me. As we have thought about these things, being hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, shows what? Shows the weakness, how breakable, how replaceable we are. It, it reveals that we're an empty pot without much to offer. We're hard-pressed and perplexed and persecuted and struck down. But I want you to think about those other terms that we use. The words, not crushed, not in despair, not forsaken, not destroyed. What does that do? It shows the power of the treasure that is in us. It's not the pot that is not crushed. It's not the pot that's not in despair. It's not the pot that's not forsaken. It's not the pot that's not destroyed. It's the treasure that's in us that's sustaining the pot. Shows the power of the treasure that's in us. It is the Christ, Christ in us, the hope of glory. As we finish today, I just want to read some verses out of Romans that I think makes it even more clear about the hope of glory being Christ in us. It makes it even more clear about this great treasure that we have in such broken vessel. Romans 8, 11 said, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, listen, dwells in you, that treasure, the same Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same treasure, the same prize that lives in this broken pot, in this broken vessel. Think about Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I know we say it a lot, but listen to what it says. And we know that all things, not some of them, not part of them, all things, everything works together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. You know why that's true? Because God's not ever out of control. And He is for us. Though Satan may mean it for evil, God means it for good. Now, I want you to look with me and let's just read these verses 31 through 39 in Romans 8. He goes on to say, What then shall I say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Listen, I want to encourage you today that God is for you. God is for you. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever's going on, God is for you. He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us, how shall He not with Him freely give us all things? If he, he, Listen, you know what He's saying? I gave you my treasure. I gave you my prize. I gave you the most that I have. Why would I not give you anything else? But the truth is, when He's given us the best that He has, why would we want anything else? He said, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us? 
He who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, or principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor, nor things present, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, I'm talking about a treasure of the beauty of Christ that dwells in you and I, who are so weak and frail, replaceable, breakable. This morning's message... It's a call for us to think more of Jesus and less of ourselves. To see Jesus as the greatest treasure and us as just a clay pot. It is also to know the greatest treasure lives in us by the grace of God. What else could we ever want or desire? This week, as you live out this week, I challenge you, will your life Make much of Jesus or much of you? Which will it do? I hope we're like John the Baptist who said, I must decrease so he can increase. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time to be together. In Jesus' name, amen.